June 6, 2019. It's a lot from Pedro Show.
from Pedro Show, brother Matt. How are you? Good, good. We, got we the just June gloom. We're fully into the June gray gloom yeah, marine got, layer. Got right? that working. We got the the workmen working next door, trying right. to. So next we'll, couple weeks, we'll probably yeah. hear some some flavor in the background. The but hope, grotto's getting dug up. Hopefully, it's lunchtime for those guys. But we need the pipes, right? The yeah, panels. yeah. Got to bring the water. <laughs> need some. Uh, right, like Scotty when when Captain Jerk asked Scotty for. Uh, some warp driving, you know. Hey, the toilets. That's <laughs> what all she got. Like this, uh, we, we started off with All or Nothing by John Coltrane. And then uh, Trinary System with Bi- Yeah, this features our our, 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 our guest, Brother Matt. Yeah, you know, welcome. Miracle of those Estonian software engineers with their Skype where we got Roger Miller. Yeah. You're, you're talking to us from Vermont? I'm, I'm talking. Yeah, it's, it's kind of like that. There's a forest around me. No tigers where I am, though. You know, just bears and stuff. It's the but real now, Roger Miller in Vermont, uh, <laughs> Guilford, Vermont, Guilford. where I live. Yeah, yeah. What big town? Know, is, what big town? Is, what, what, what big town is Guilford by? Uh, the closest is Brattleboro, but that's about twelve thousand people, so I wouldn't call it a big town. <laughs> okay, so are you far from Burlington? Uh, yeah, we're about three hours from Burlington and only two hours from Boston, so I'm really ah, close. so you're in the south part of Vermont. Yeah, yeah, at the very bottom. Okay. Yeah, at the bottom, if you, if you put the map up. If you put the map up and you and you, <laughs> north is upwards, you know. Which, <laughs> the Australians <laughs> probably don't dig that, but. Um, <laughs> well, they call that the Antipodes, the Antipodes. <laughs> Roger, I mean, I remember first meeting you at the channel. Us and Husker played there. Do you remember that yeah, gig? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was I, I was a total uh, Minuteman fan. Now, at that those days, the channel uh, Punk was on Sundays, and, and mm-hmm. in fact, not Sunday night because <laughs> heavy metal was later. So you would play it kind of in the afternoon. And Andrew, the guy running, a Southie guy running the pad, I could get you beers because on Sundays <laughs> in those days you couldn't buy beers oh, in Massachusetts. Uh, New Hampshire yeah. was making all the money. Uh-huh. That's a fact. So I, I remember that, and I remember talking to you right after we got done playing. I guess Gang Green opened up, but uh, Mr. Doherty didn't even last one tune. He yeah, kept yeah, he... Budweiser, and Budweiser won. <laughs> <laughs> he could get a little over the top on occasion. <laughs> but tell me, because you're not actually a Boston guy, because I learned from 125 months with the Stooges, you actually yeah. have foundation in Ann Arbor, Michigan. Yeah, that's where I grew. That's where I grew up. You know, I saw the MC5 the first time they played Ann Arbor from Detroit. I was in tenth grade. It was like the MC5's first time in Ann Arbor where they moved to later. Yeah, was, they ended up moving there. Well, can yeah, you yeah. tell me? Can you tell me your earliest musical recollection? Well, I my dad played piano. Like he played classical piano before he decided to study fish. Like his specialty was studying fish to live in the desert. Whoa. So, my family, every summer we'd go out to the deserts, you know, like Nevada, Arizona, sure. Utah, and dig for fossils and compare them to the live fish in these little isolated ponds and shit. Okay. But, but he was also a piano player, so you got two contrapuntal things going on in the skull. Sure. Yeah. What, in the pad, did you guys have a piano in the living room? Yeah, piano in the living room. I started playing piano at, at age six, and my dad would play classical music, you know, sometimes Mozart, but sometimes Firebird Suite by Stravinsky, you know, stuff like that while we were going to sleep, and I always always dug that. Now, now, so, Did you have a yeah. piano teacher? 
Yeah, we, yes, we had a piano teacher. Now, now, like, now, what was the experience? Because we've had guests yeah. on where it was that they almost chased them for music. Other people was the greatest thing in the world. The beginning of it was fine because it's pretty simple. And then I got, by like sixth grade, fifth grade, I got these really rigid teachers. But, it was, you know, this was before the Beatles hit. So, you know, the Beatles didn't hit for me until I was in sixth grade. So I didn't have any particular reason to not like classical music until, you know, the Beatles did Roll Over Beethoven, then all of a sudden... Well, what you know, about Little Richard? Well, you know, I was just in fifth grade, and I, Little Richard was this little thing I heard in my ears, you know, I didn't... <laughs> <laughs> it's weird how the England people <laughs> have to be ambassadors to the U.S. people to sell them back yeah. their own music. <laughs> it's completely bizarre. But, yeah, I mean, I was one of the kids that watched the Beatles on Ed Sullivan that first show, sure. and literally... Literally, the day before that, I was just a kid who played piano and wandered around and liked to be outside. And within that two and a half minutes, I was a rocker. And I'm just, you know, as you know now, I have a new rock album and I'm 67. So Absolutely. So. We played Mike. You know, when I first uh, played that song, I thought it was going to be a cover of Sid Barrett's tune. <laughs> Not at all. You see there's an exclamation point on that's there. That's right. That's what I noticed later. Different title. I know Watt's got to pay attention. I'm a slow learner. <laughs> okay. Roger, what was the first uh, record you bought for yourself? First record I bought for myself was "I Want to Hold Your Hand" by the Beatles. I mean, literally, I'm the cliche of the cliche of the cliche of kids that age. Like that was the ticket for me into the world that I lived for the rest of my life. Well, what about this? What was the first gig you saw? First gig I saw, probably like live. You know, maybe like a ninth grade hop. I think that was the first band. I, met, I later on met these guys and knew who they were, and I'm still friends with some of them. But they were a couple years older than me, so you know, when you're in ninth grade, that's a pretty big difference. You're maybe eighth grade. And I remember they were oh, doing yeah. like... Oh, yeah. Even, even in one or two years was huge yeah, in yeah. those days. Yeah, in those days, it's huge. But yeah, like they were doing It's My Life. I watched his hand, and I go, so that's how you make a bar chord. And I, as soon as I walked back home, I figured it out, and that was like a major uh, transition for me. Ah, like, so you watched the guitar player. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, so you wanted was, to get off the piano? Oh yeah. By by then, I was I was I was wanting to rock. You know, piano, I was off a of piano by then. By okay. seventh grade, I stopped taking piano lessons. I thought piano was just bullshit, classical music. And then by ninth or tenth grade, you well, know, it's funny had, because piano is actually more rock and roll than guitar is. It's very rock and roll, <laughs> but it, it took me a bit. But it was like you know when the Doors and Pink Floyd, you know, Piper the Gates. Oh, sure, gone, sure. Is playing and I was like, wow, you know. And then I would pick out kink songs on the piano, and then all of a sudden, well, damn, did you, I've got my own thing going on the piano. Roger, did you do anything at school like the choir or the marching band or shit like that? I I was uh, in ninth grade. I was first chair of French horn in French the concert. Horn. Yeah, concert band and concert orchestra. I, I would rather play music than do anything else. Basically. You know, you know another rock and roller who did French horn. I certainly do. John Abwissel, right? Yeah. Mm -hmm. In ninth grade, my generation came out, and I had my first band, and I was a bass player in my first rock band, and I was also a French horn player. So oh. I was I was glued on that. Well, there, I think there's a French horn solo in Pictures of Lily. Uh, Pictures of Lily, also that one called Instant Party on the first... Instant Party, uh, yeah, it's also called Circles. It's got different names, different mixes. Yeah, yeah, instant, yeah, yeah, whatever, Circles, yeah. Yeah, great, Circles, great, right? Uh, yeah, yeah. Something with Shell Tamley, something with management. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, so, so so you actually was on the bass. How, how, how did you well, get on the bass? What was your first bass? It was 
my first base was an airline, a really cheap. I remember business. airline, yeah. They made for Monkey Ward and stuff. Uh, yeah, yeah, made for Monkey Ward, right. and it was like a beat, like a you know a Hoffner Beetle base. They also but, a Supro and uh, shit like that. Yeah, yeah. And the first band I had was in ni- my ninth grade, which was spring '67. You know, we're doing elevators, yardbirds, and shit. And so I put the band together. And those one guy was a really good lead guitarist, uh-huh. and my brother Ben liked to play guitar. So I said, "Well, I don't want to play rhythm guitar. I'll play the bass because I was the singer too." So that so I became a bass player. I was primarily a bass player in rock bands or wow. bands. What, what was your first dance? My first amp was a Electro Lab. <laughs> I think you could buy out of the Sears catalog too, but you know, point that caring number. <laughs> Man, people don't know that us bass guys were hurting in the old days for equipment. <laughs> <laughs> I love bass, you know, and I and I I can still I still play bass sometimes if, if it's required, and I I mean I love it. I think like a bass player really. It took me quite a while to. Think more like a guitarist. Cause I'm, I'm, I'm curious. I, did you use pick or fingers or both? I would use both, but I was mostly a pick guy. Mostly because John Entwistle used both. Yeah, Shit, yeah, he would use both. He would put even slapping in the same fucking tune. <laughs> he was he was incredible. He really was. He really was. was and you know what, Roddy and Scotty told me living there in Ann Arbor was in mm-hmm. those days in the '60s, England would bring their bands in through Canada through Windsor, so they got to see. Ronnie told me about seeing Jimmy at a place called the Fifth Dimension. With you know, maybe a hundred people were there, and no one would go to the front of the stage. You know, Mike, I was one of the hundred people at that. Show. Oh wow! Okay, Ronnie said he actually went up to the front of the stage, and he saw uh, Mitch Mitchell had a bucket on each side of him. You know, he's the drummer man. Uh-huh. Oh, one, oh, yeah. one bucket had Budweisers, and the other bucket for was him puking in every other song. <laughs> They played two sets. I don't know which one I was at, but uh, yeah, I, I remember. Like I had tickets to see the Yardbirds, and they broke up, and so the replacement was Jimi Hendrix, who I'd never heard. That's like what his, they told me. That's what they told me. And Jimmy was wearing he was wearing a, like a marching band jacket. Yeah, like, okay. It was. He came out of the dressing room, smoking a cigarette, you know, playing left-handed, doing a raga sustained feedback solo as he walked out of the dressing room, and literally. At that moment, everybody in that room died and was reborn. <laughs> I wasn't wow. able to say that. I'm, that. That completely changed my life, just watching him walk out of the dressing room. Play, wow. Play. Look, I want to play this song here, Hovering. <laughs> oh, cool. You want cool. to say something about it? Were you guys uh, Yeah, I like it. It's, got, it's kind of twisted, but it's got a, like a pop element. The middle section is like all these, it's a, kind of an improv thing, but they're the themes that kind of melt from one to the next. It's not real rigid. We're not just jamming on one riff. It's something I'd always wanted to do since Sprout and Layer, and I finally got it right with this trinary system song, Hovering. Betcha. Let's listen.
that that reminds me uh, because uh, once I asked Dig about the Doors, he said, "Mike, I saw them twice. First time the singer was Stone. Second time they were good." Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> Not a lot of words with him. <laughs> <laughs> Anyway, we we just heard Hovering from uh, Trinary System. Alice yep. Bad, brand new bread, breadcrumbs. Sarah Artizoni out of Italy doing Morning Star, which is a grand heart, heart tune uh, in memory, Brother Grand Heart. Uh, Rent Party, brand new out of Chicago with Red Cells. Lauren out of New York City with 555-5555. Maybe a phone number. Uh, Blood Quartet out of Barcelona with uh, New York City Limits. And now... South London, Strong Urge, guided by voices. Bob Pollard working on his 104th album, I think. (laughs) (laughs) We can make music. I think for New Year's, he's going to play the fucking Roxy and do 100 songs. Wow. Yeah. He's a trip. (laughs) And then finally, Trinary System with Infinity in a Box, which I was thinking of uh, Mr. Uh, uh, Who's the guy from... uh, South America, but he was a librarian in Switzerland. The Aleph. What's the Aleph? Uh, all the whole world in a fucking little piece of something. B- Borgias. L- uh, Luis Borgia. Yeah, that's what oh, it is. Yeah, yeah. yeah. You're fucking awesome. I thought, that's what I thought you were going to say, but then I thought you weren't going to say it. Yeah, because yeah, well, yeah, I'm all fucked up. I <laughs> shit. Yeah, I remember he's shot to hell and everything. But anyway, that's why I was thinking of the Aleph. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, left. Got it, got it. Right. That, that, I, I think you spell it A L E P H. Yep, I know the story. Okay, oh, really? yeah. Right, right. He wrote short stories mainly. Really short. Really short. But kind I of a him. nod to uh, Mr. Dante, Mr. Joyce. Mm. Don't tell him that because he said you're totally wrong. <laughs> <laughs> well, he's not here to defend himself anyway. So, uh, so well, how long were you in Ann Arbor? Uh, until I was about, until I moved to Boston, really. Like, I <laughs> went to college here and there, but I was a perpetual dropout, you know. So, uh, I was actually in, I was at CalArts. I was a composition major in wow, 70. Wow, Kind of yeah, by, uh, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. Right, right north of L.A. in Valencia. And, uh, yeah, I was on, there the, on, your, on your way to the uh, grapevine. Yeah, yeah, I'm way to the grapevine before you heard it through. So, but I mean, I sometimes think, like, what if I had stayed in L.A. and, you know, gotten a degree in 76, and then I started to pick up on what was going down in 77, 78, and I would have been in L.A. instead of Ann Arbor or Boston. Like, how would it have changed my, you know, entry into the punk rock universe? But, the germs. You know, the germs. Yeah, I, w- I would have been at the show, probably, you know. <laughs> totally. <laughs> I can imagine. I can imagine. But instead, what happened was you ended up in Boston. And yeah. they had a scene pretty early, maybe before yeah. us. I came to Boston in 70, early, like January 78, and I was, I had already had ringing in my ears from punk rock and the monsters in Ann Arbor, well, and right, I said, right. I'm just going to go to Boston, become a piano technician, I'm not going to play any music, and then there was a scene here that was, you know, in Boston, where I'm in Vermont at the moment, but, you know, there was like these posters, the shit was happening, it was a band called The Girls, I'm not sure if you're familiar sure, with them. Sure, sure. I know about the girls. Incredible band. I kept playing with David afterwards. And uh, I said, this is just too good. You know who turned me on to the girls was Steve Stain. Oh, yeah. He, he would. Lives, he li- he lives up in NorCal, I, I think the city. Yeah, I, but... see him, I see him every time I'm out there. I'm, I, I played on his 
first some of that first record that you guys put out. Oh like yeah, I'm, yeah, yeah. The, the brain feels no pain. Brain feels no pain. Right. Then you did, you did a single later called "What Makes Donna Twirl." <laughs> Uh, yeah, that might have. That wasn't with David Hill. Maybe it was with Hill, and it, it makes me blurry. I can't remember. But he loved, and I know that there was kind of a, a connection with the Perubu Cats. Oh yeah, yeah, because they produced Thomas produced the first girl single. Right, was, right. So, so there's a big healthy scene there. You're going to give up the piano technician. Yeah, and I just said, "Fuck it, I've got ring in my ears." But this is my last chance. I always felt like I had one good rock album in me, at least. And so I just said, fuck it, you know, I'm just going to go for it. I, I called up, I joined the Moving Parts. I thought the ad said they needed a bass player. So I said, I called up and said, I'm a bass player, and I'm ready to play. And he goes, well, we don't need a bass player, we need a guitarist. I said, okay, then I'll be the guitar player. Okay. <laughs> if that's the reason I'm the guitar player now, if they needed a bass player, I'd probably still be a bass player. Wow, what a trick. <laughs> So no, that, that was the fork in the road. That was the fork right there, man. Okay. And, and I didn't even know it was a fork. I just was like... And what was that experience? You're playing with cats you never met before? And... Yeah. It was the moving parts. It was like Eric Lingren was the leader. He later was in Bird Songs of the Mesozoic. Sure, sure. But Clint was the bass player, Clint Conley. Which and, ended uh, up the bass man of Mission of yeah. Burma. Yeah, he ended up being... And I remember I had knocked on the door... And they were pranking the Ramones when I came over to audition. And I walked in, and, you know, the Ramones were on, so I started doing this kind of spazzy dance as I walk in. And Clint comes out of the kitchen doing the exact same spazzy dance. <laughs> like he was almost <laughs> scripted. I've never even seen him before, and I've already bonded with him. You know? <laughs> <laughs> oh, wow. Now, was Peter in this project? Nah, okay. he was not. Uh, okay, so, so how, how long did this go on? The moving parts. A little less than a year. It was there was too many conflicting directions, and me and Clint wanted to do something more raw. Okay. And so, so me and Clint kind of broke the band up. I mean, the band just folded on its own. And then uh, we auditioned for drummers. Finally, got Pete, and then my my Ann Arbor friend Martin Swope. He, he was in town doing some tape loop stuff, and I was doing some tape loop experiments with him. And I said, "Hey, why not have him in the band?" You know. Where did, uh, who came up with the name, Roger? Uh, Clint, but it's it's a, it's a real building. It's a building called the Mission of Burma in uh, New York City. Okay, the yeah, like the mission, like uh, yeah, like if you were having some kind of charity or some. Well, it's, it's, I think it's more political than that. Oh, like okay, a, okay, okay. Not so much a charity, but he was walking around looking for a name, and his girlfriend said, "Well, what about that? The Mission of Burma." And, and he, he knew that was the name. It took me and Pete a while to agree with him. But he, he was right. i got to say, he was right. It's a good name. Well, what do you think? Does it reflect you three guys? It's be, I think what it's cool about it is that, particularly in those days, yeah. Burma was a closed-off country, so no one knew anything about it. Right. So right. it had this sense of mystery and slight, you know, sinisterness, right. you know, and all that kind of shit, which is, you know, fit Mission of Burma pretty well. Like, who knows, why are these guys even here? And right. what the hell, and what the hell are they doing? <laughs> right. And so, so what do you think about when they changed the name to Minamar? Uh, I mean, I know why they, it was like a right <laughs> political move, so I didn't absolutely, like it. Absolutely. Uh, I was just curious about that. Wanted, I, always, I always wanted to ask, but didn't want to say... Yeah, so yeah. stupid, like, like I should have known, but I just didn't know. So what was the first Mission of Burma gig like? 
Uh, we played. Uh, it was April Fool's Day. Lou Miami, who was a really interesting character in the underground scene in Boston, he, every, every about once a month he'd have a thing called Lou Miami's Transfusion. And it would be all new bands. You know, in those days, like 79, 78, it was, this was 79 for us, April Fool's Day, 79, perfect. It's uh, like seven, seven new, it was D. Boone's birthday? Yeah, it's April 1st. Awesome. Perfect. Perfect. But every, every you know, once a month, there'd be seven new bands. Like, I'm sure it was like that everywhere, you know, in the U.S. at that time. Sure. And, and that was our first gig, and we played... You know, four or five songs, bunch of stuff I'd written for the moving parts, which include Max Ernst, a couple other ones. Clint had All World Cowboy Romance, was already in in it by then. And we did this song that I wrote called, for the moving parts called Smoldering Fuselage, which was all like hyper surrealist lyrics. You know, just outside the house that's dead is the opening line. <laughs> <laughs> And, uh, and uh, this uh, the girl the girl who's the singer in Human Sexual Response, which is another really great Boston band at the time. She said she loved the lyrics to that song. They turned into <laughs> Golden Birds, right? Yeah, I can't, I can't remember what they did. But she she explained to me the words. I asked her to tell me the words, and she she told me all the words she heard, and they were completely different from what I'd written, and they were just as good or better. And I feel like I feel bad that I didn't write them down. Well. <laughs> That happened to me, uh, to me with Jimmy, you know. Excuse me while I kiss this guy. <laughs> it happens all over, you know. <laughs> We're at the end of the first hour, June 6, 2019. Special guest Roger Miller, hold tight for hour two. June 6, 2019, it's second hour of the Watt for Pedro show.
Sitting on a sofa named Sven Simulated leather Artificial conversation or Maybe we met But we're not sure when I really didn't want to come It was more of an obligation I really didn't know her that well She was more of a friend Of a friend Of a friend Oh no She always spoke highly of you She said, I can tell him anything, absolutely anything. You should meet him, you should. She said, you were cool. She said, he's my best girlfriend. Girlfriend. Wow, she said that about me. I'm touched. I really should have brought a dish of something But I see there's already too much I never know what to bring these days Vegetarians should be shot No, I didn't know she was vegan Guess it's better that I forgot To bring something She always spoke highly of you She said I can tell them anything Absolutely anything You should meet him, you should She said you were cool She said he's my best girlfriend My best girlfriend So I guess that's who I am So send me all your damaged dinged up girls And I'll glue them back together again Whatever's left over, I'll keep for myself Until I get enough to be something other than a wrong writer A wrong writer Watch where you park your glass Everything's so expensive Maybe we should mingle That clam stuff looks edible How late are you gonna stay? Wanna get a drink or coffee late Or give a sign if you wanna slip away You know that thing with your hand Know the other thing You know she always spoke highly of you too She said I can tell her anything Absolutely anything You should meet her, you should She said you were cool She said she's my best boyfriend My best boyfriend yeah, I guess that's who I am So send me all your bitter banged up boys And I'll glue them back together again Whatever's left over, I'll keep for myself Until I get enough to be something other than a wrong writer A secret keeper A wrong writer Wrong writer 
She called as I was going to bed. I couldn't hang up. It would have been rude. I got this really big problem, she said. And I knew you'd be awake, cause you don't work. Tell me all about it, I'm ready to listen. Tell me all about it, I'm ready to listen. I can fix anything, absolutely anything. Okay. So how do you know if you're dead? How do you know if you're dead? I think I might be dead. How do you know if you're dead?
Live from Pedro Show. Start off the second hour with Trinary System doing modular life. Modular. Hmm. And then Ned Colette, Australian living in Berlin, doing June. I thought it was kind of appropriate because we're in June. Yeah, yeah, perfect. <laughs> See, song titles are important, people. <laughs> I don't know why they're put on last. You know, I always start with song titles. That's my huh. songwriting process, yeah. So I got some kind of focus. Chris Butler out of Akron was awake after that. Hi-Fi Club from Toulon, France with Aron Stories. Telomere Repair, Open David, and out on Route 5, Trinary System. I was trying to guess which Route 5 that was, Roger. I can tell you. it's a, I was coming back. Route 5 is right... Uh, it's a small road, like a US five, and it connects Massachusetts. Oh, to I know where it is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It goes right up there. Upstate I was coming New back. York. What's that? Upstate New York. Upstate New York. Yeah, yeah. Actually, this route five doesn't go into New York. It's Massachusetts, Connecticut, and Vermont. Ooh, wrong. So, <laughs> but there's route fives everywhere. You know, it maybe, it's, a, maybe it's US six. It could be US six. Yeah, I'm, I'm kind of seeing it. I think uh, US three is out on the New Jersey side, but you know, I'm about to do my 67th tour. If you call a tour more than a month, and, and very lame that I can't bring you along because the fucker got booked too soon. But I'm going to do another one in 2021, and we're we're going to play some gigs together. I'd, I'd be totally honored. It's great. Burma, Burma played with you guys in San Francisco. Oh yeah, in fact, the Fillmore. But that was actually that was a second man, so the organ band, yeah. Yeah, yeah. That's, that's Love great. that gig. Love that gig. Me too. You were doing the the opera based on the sickness, you know. That's right. That's right. And I was just like, this is incredible shit. I and heard we also stuff. played with you at the El Rey, and I think we did a uh, nineteen seventy. Cat uh, could yes, yes. I'm I'm hearing that now in the okay. back of my head. Yeah, some Stooges. So tell me, what 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 is the the germ? What was growing in the petri dish to give birth to the trinary system? Well, you know, when Burma reformed initially, I wanted to do something different than we had done. But you know, it really was Burma is Burma, and we picked up right where we left off. And those guys, we were right to do that. But you know, as it went along. There's a very specific sound and a very specific way Burma worked. And I wanted to kind of free my guitar playing up from that exact post-punk environment. And uh, that was the origin of Trinary System, just something for me to play guitar differently from Burma. Uh, it's, and, still, you know, like, it's still pretty uh, rock and uh, power trio stuff, though. Oh, yeah, it's still a power trio. And, but it's but you know and there's elements you know, you could tell the guitar player stole a lot of shit from the guy in Burma. You know, yeah, but, that's what I thought. But uh, but the band doesn't sound like Burma. The bass player is very different. The drummer is very different. Even you know the vocals. Well, t- and stuff. tell us about the bassy and drum. Well, the uh, the drummer Larry Dirsch, he played in my band Binary System, which had one record on SST, recorded live at live at the Idea Room, which was really totally blast. Greg uh, rented us a Steinway Grand, and we played three nights in a row and recorded every night. Made made a live album. Uh, he's an incredible drummer. He normally plays in bands where he plays kind of laid back, but when he plays with me, you can't do that kind of shit with me. No. <laughs> <You gotta> work. <laughs> so he was the guy. I mean, he could take anything I dished out with us, like, you know, Binary System had a lot of classical elements sure. and, like, jazz elements, and so I knew he was the drummer I wanted. 
and uh, mercifully he said yes. And the bass player, Andrew Willis, he was mostly a guitarist, but he'd done some production for the group that I'm in called Alloy Orchestra that does silent film accompaniment. Sure, yeah, where they, they play an old-timey movie, and then you yes. kind of back it up with music. Yeah, silent film. We play, you know, the the uh, Academy of Motion Pictures sometimes in L.A. Sure, sure. And uh, and he had, he had produced some of our stuff, and the way he was talking, you know, sometimes he was he was saying weird shit, and I was like, well, what do you do? And then he played me some of his stuff, and then it intrigued me. And then when I decided I wanted to do something else with my guitar playing, I asked him to play bass because I knew he wasn't really a bass player. And that's you know. It's, I wanted to do something like that. Like my model was kind of the Jimi Hendrix experience, where the bass player ah, was really, Redding. Yeah, but but I didn't want an old Redding guy who thought that he's supposed to like hold it down. I wanted somebody who was gonna like fuck fuck me up, you know, to keep me on my toes. Well, what I, from what I read was no Redding thought he was actually going to play guitar, and yeah, that's right? what I yeah, and so uh, but Jimmy just liked the way he was dressed. <laughs> He never heard him play one note. <laughs> and said, he's the guy? Yeah. He's got the, he's got the hair, man. <laughs> he's got the hair. <laughs> and then, after a while, he got tired of him. I think he wanted his army buddy, Billy Cox, right? Yeah, well, yeah Billy Cox, he's good, too. Yeah, he's, I dig him. I think yeah, he's okay. got a pawn shop in Nashville. You wow. can, yeah, you can meet him. And uh, I, Yeah, I love B- B- Bandage. I love all the Jimmy. You know, they're all yeah, different things. Yeah, Band of Gypsies is incredible. So, so when's the first time all three of you guys played together? Was it just a, a gig, a practice? We played TT the Bears, uh, where you played a lot of times. Sure, I heard they closed it. Yeah, they did. Middle East took it over. Okay, uh, it's not it's not the same anymore. I'll say that much. Yeah, uh, that was Cambridge. There. I'm going to play in a part called Somerville. Yeah, yeah, Somerville. You're playing at the once once lounge or the once ballroom. One small room, yeah, yeah. We're playing there Saturday. We're playing the one, the smaller room at the once uh, for our record release show. The I've lights. Never been the... there. You like it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's good. It's good. You'll like it. It's, okay. it's good. Because I don't want to play that Brighton place anymore. I got treated bad last time. Oh really? It doesn't... <laughs> it's not the not the Sinclair. Was it the Sinclair or was it uh, the Brighton ballroom? Yeah, the second one there. Brighton ballroom. I only was Burma played there years ago, and uh, I enjoyed it. But you know that was my only experience there. So okay, I had some good ones, but not the last time. So usually, what I've learned about touring is you play somewhere lame once. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> unless you're really stupid or maybe desperate. <laughs> anyway, what was that gig like at TT's? You know, there was not there was about you know forty people there, so it was it wasn't very well attended. But uh, I just wanted the band to start playing, you know. Yeah, but what, what was the chemistry between you three? You thought, whoa, this is this is a band that can do gigs. I, I already it's, it's weird. We developed much slower, but I knew from the very first rehearsal that these were the guys to play with. But in at the at the, our first gig, the only song I'd really written for the band was that song "Bite," which you played that you thought was going to be the one, right. Yeah, it was like it's I, such a rockin' record. You guys play so well together. Yeah, but when we started, it was just like I pulled up just various songs of mine I'd written, and I wrote a couple new ones. And so it was kind of my side project. And the more we played, the the more I figured out what was good about us. And I listened to my friends that were in the audiences saying stuff, like the guy who did the album art for our for our new album, Lights in the Center of Your Head. He had some yeah, comments. Yeah, that's a great artwork. 
<laughs> yeah, he, he's like fucking good, Wayne. Uh, and uh, so I just started listening, and I started to realize with the, our first show. Also, we did a Miles tune, Black Satin. Oh yeah, you know? yeah, we did that, and I was like, God, we can do that. We can do this jammy shit. We can do tight shit. But it took a while to figure out who we were, kind of. And but by the time we recorded this record, Lights in the Center of Your Head, yeah, we we are. Trinary system. It's no longer Roger Miller's side project. It's a fucking band. Even though I, I'm writing the songs, they're all written for the band, and the band is kicking me to do the right to do the right thing. You know? well, I, I can, can kind of relate, you know, just because your name on it, so you're letting people know who to blame. Right. There's right. Something about a band making its own identity. Right. Yeah. I totally agree. It's a great, and, great fucking thing. Yeah, and you know, if, if you aren't playing with people that are going to kick you in the ass and, yeah. and like you walk up there and you're, you know, I'm sauntering on stage with my guitar like I'm going to lay out some heavy licks and then those guys back there are kicking my ass. I go, right, I got to keep working. Yeah. I don't want to be no slack motherfucker. So. I, I like that philosophy. Yeah, yeah. You know what uh, else also I like is Brother Matt bringing the spin side. <laughs> cool, very cool. Spin it up.
some feedback. It's all good. That's how we spin here. What from Pico Show? Brother Matt, please let me know what made you do what you did to us this time. That was some uh, indigestion from digital hot dogs. Digital hot dogs. <laughs> got, got some digital hot dogs in me, and that's how it started. Right. <laughs> you know, some pups. Yeah, I think they're they're from uh, Austin, I believe. Those guys. That's, yeah. And that's where Kurt's living. Ah. Last, a bunch of years. And I think uh, I was t- telling you, I think they're in Europe right now. I think so. On their big tour, they're. Dusty Nolan. Yeah, tour. cool. And also with the key. Or organ man, yeah. There. Yeah. And he's playing piano on that track. He plays all kinds yeah, of Yeah, key man. Harpsichord. Yeah. Not a desert guy, <laughs> but it's okay. <laughs> yeah, very cool. Great yeah, disc. Very, very bitch. I, 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 I guess the closest. Oh, they were at the Troub, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because I thought Pappy and Harry. And then San Diego, too, I think they finished. But they were in the there. desert? Yeah, they were out there a few months back. Okay. What well, missed it all? <laughs> <laughs> I do have to catch him down the road. We're at the end of the second. Hold on there, Roger. We still got Roger <laughs> on the thing. That was the spin cyclage there. Got to educate you uh, from Brother Matt' point of view. It's the end of the second hour, June 6, thousand nineteen. Pedo Show special guest Roger Miller. Hold tight for hour three. June six, two thousand nineteen. It's the third hour. The Watt for Pedro Show.
not so. Shocking.
kiss in her eyes I could tell she'd been sleeping with the stars Well, hello, I am done Yes, I've seen you lay around And I just live down from here
Walk for Pedro Show start off the third hour with the trinary system to impress the button. What's that about, Roger? Press the button. The, the secondary title of that is electricality. So this is more like a, a, the lyrics are all referencing electricity and what it, what it does to you, oh, good, bad, good, bad, and neutral. Right, right. But the beginning of that, uh, the bass player in my band, and or the trinary system, Andrew Willis, he's 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 a lot of different instruments. He does soundtrack work like me also, but he's got these micro synths that are like you know about four inches long. <laughs> he's got two of them on a little stand, and he you know he makes his noise kind of stuff. You know, in the in the vein of like you know Devo or Eno or Perubu, except for sure. the twenty first century here. But yeah, you when know, I that, first saw uh, Perubu. Uh, Alan Ravenstein? Alan Ravenstein. Yeah, no keyboard. It was two big boxes on a table with wires hooking them up. Yep, and just dials and stuff. Right, and your guy Martin was kind of like that. Yeah, with the the loops. Yeah, it was trippy. You know, because I always saw them as fake keyboards or fake string sections. Yeah, well, that's the the bad side of it. (laughs) (laughs) Then we had National Depth with Tunic Winds, Denton, Texas from Damien Arado, Tangerine from Spain, that's Josh Hayden, Charlie Hayden's son, and Trinary System was Somewhere the Eternal. I think the Eternal, the Sonic Youth made a record for Ronnie, Ron Ashton called the Eternal. You know what I realized? That this is actually the second Trinary System album. Yeah, the first one was just was a seven inch forty five, but it came with a five song download card. So oh, it was kind okay. Of a trick EP. <laughs> okay. And but, what would you guys uh, consider? Well, were they recorded in the same place? Uh, no, recorded somewhere else. And uh, the first record we had kind of found ourselves, but this record is much more stripped down, right to the point. Like it's mostly the band just really grinding it out like with our physicality you know sure. whereas the other one we didn't we just kind of were almost there and there's a lot of sauce was put on it to make it come alive a lot less sauce was put on this because okay. all you need was the three of us and then everything else was just like little touches and where did you do it uh andy hong who writes for tape op magazine sure. he has a very small studio in Cambridge, uh, West Cambridge, and uh, he recorded some Talia Zedek band, some of her records there, and uh, and he had us in there for three days, and we just laid up, we just laid it up, you know, and really nice, tight, tight but lively sound, in my opinion. <laughs> I tell you, had that guitar player Chris, right? Uh, yeah, Chris, yeah, Brokaw, yeah, we're, yeah, that's right, really good. I think he's playing with uh, De- uh He's doing Lemonheads. Yeah, Lemonheads, right. He he does solo stuff, and then he's also, you know, really good as a, a, quote, side guitarist. Well, you you know, there was some trippy shit like that happening with that Hoboken New Wave. I mean, you'd have guys like Dick Lloyd, uh, uh, Bob Quine, uh, Ivan Julian. Right. Hired guns to these guys like Matthew Sweet. Right. Trippy (laughs) kind of thing, you know. Yeah, yeah. Pay the rent, I, you know. Right, right. But you know, it's it's cool stuff too. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. absolutely. Have you have you read the uh, the Dick Lloyd book yet? Man, he's got a Jimmy story. He says Jimmy socked him up. 
Two in the stomach, one in the face. I I didn't read the story, but I I, I didn't read his book, but I think I heard that story. And then something Jimmy afterwards came back and apologized like crazy. Right after, because I think he's... uh, Dick Lloyd, he's, he's only a teenager, but he sees this yellow Corvette about an hour later, two hours later. It's Jimmy, and he's crying, and he's sorry for punching him yeah. up. Yeah. I don't know how I heard the story, because I didn't... Maybe someone just posted that fragment or something. Fuck, I read that book in two days. I mean, I couldn't put it down. It was, like, so intense. Uh, that's, that's there's this one part where he, he, he walks from the city to SoCal, to, like, Silver Lake. First, he's got a guitar in one hand and a clothes sack in the other, and then he lets go of the clothes sack. Huh. He, he, like, walks with a <laughs> Like, no case, right? Just a guitar. Yeah. Highway chow. And then there's another story. He's boning some lady in Max's Kansas City behind a jukebox with everybody there. I mean, something, something, it's pretty wild. I hear he lives in Chattanooga these days. You, you know what I want to play? Uh, when the Dust Settles. Yeah, that's, that's, that's kind of a catchy tune from the record, I suppose, if you had to call it that. It's the catchy tune.
show yeah when the dust settles that's the the catchy one and then coat hangers live of captain's dead henry kaiser uh with ian brighton at infinum ad infinum and uh, this is from uh, henry's uh record of duos he does all these guitar duets nels klein's one of them and then finally trinary system with work it so what's what's next for the trinary system well we got some shows coming up around here we're uh you know, it's, we're all have other stuff to do. It's right, not like right. I'm, I'm ready to go out and do three month tours, though. It would certainly be, you know, if I could get paid enough to live, I'd probably even do it because I love it so much. But uh, you know, it's it's hard to make a living doing that stuff unless you've got a real a real thing going. Uh, Where can people find you on the internet, Roger? Uh, system dot com for our website. We have a Facebook page, and you know where we sell the digital downloads on Bandcamp, Trinary System Bandcamp, and the records on Feeding Tube, where, they, where they're taking pre-orders for the vinyl. I think the vinyl will be shipping in about two or three weeks. And that's Byron Coley and Ted, right? That's By- Byron and Ted, man. Yeah, good cats, good cats. Uh, so, people, that's T-R-I-N-A-R-Y-S-Y-S-T-E-M.com. Right. Go there, and yeah, you can see their flyers stapled up at instant ham and shitter and fake look but yeah to check out their uh, website there and uh you let people know about your shows and stuff there too right roger yeah there facebook all of wherever we can you know we kind of pump it out and even feeding tubes kind of being pretty active about it too if you go there they have all our shows yeah, feeding tubes got an incredible uh, catalog. I think half of it's Byron's record collection. <laughs> <laughs> that's a fact. I already before this one. I was. I have four records on it already too. So. Yeah, that's right. And in so, fact, they put out the Spiel Gusher on vinyl. Oh, which nice. Was pretty bitching with some Raymond Pettibone art. Yeah, I love Byron, and uh, I think he's the only guy left in West Mass besides uh, Jay Mascus, who's from there. <laughs> yeah, that, that whole. Uh, Northampton thing emptied out. I was I was there with Mike Baguetta a couple months ago, and uh, yeah, I met Jay Mascus's son. He's a rapper, <laughs> nine ten year old rapper. <laughs> great. And of course, we're downstairs uh, ready to go on. Jay's going to come up, do Funhouse with us. So what's his boy do? You know, looks. What does every ba- uh, backstage look like, right? There's dicks on the wall, so he starts drawing dicks on the walls. <laughs> Jay's way into this. Like, wants to help him out. <laughs> it was, it's just a, a bitching thing to see Jay and his son. You know, I thought, actually, I thought I'd never see something like that. Look, look, if somebody from the younger shift, the next shift, wanted to ask you for advice, Roger, about this music racket shit, what would you tell them? Wow. Well, it it 
I mean, I had ideas and stuff in 69. That was my band Sprout and Lair, but nothing right. happened until 79 with Mission of Burma. It took 10 years of me wandering around and picking up information, you know, going to music school, playing jazz, playing everything, like country, play, playing blues, playing, you know, backing up people, gather as much information as you can, yeah. and keep trying to put yourself in the stream. With any luck, at some point you'll hit a current and you keep steering yourself in the current you might get somewhere. That's, that's yeah. what I, uh, I Would this be fair to sum it up as like be patient? Yeah, be, but you can't be too patient because you, you have you gotta to work kinda, at it. You got to work at it. And you got to be kind of edgy to make, you know. To, so don't be too passive. <laughs> I think I think so. But, you know, I, just, I hit my head against the wall so many times I got so discouraged. But for, for me, I have a weird thing where if I finally completely give up that's when shit happens uh, whether that's some kind of mutated zen kind of thing or what, i'm just a complete misfit i can't tell you and i'm not i i don't think that works for everybody but that's every time i gave up like i was going to quit rock and roll when i moved to boston that was the end of my right and then within three within three weeks i was part of the first scene i'd ever been in my life in the boston rock scene so believe that it's just it's crazy shit well, man, I'm so glad that somehow you stuck with it because you're a righteous part of my music world, man. I'm so glad I get to know you and your music, and it's been a huge honor for me and Brother Matt to have you on the show. Thank you so yeah, much. Yeah, very cool. Totally my pleasure and my honor to be on the show with you And whenever your other projects come out, will you please come on again and talk about it? Uh, I'll, I'll send you stuff when it's, when it's come up. That's it's bitchy. Good. That's bitchy. Brother Matt, thank you for uh, your always essential aid in your bed. Pleasure always. People, it's been the June 6, 2019 Dish of Watt for Pedro Show. Keep your powder dry. <laughs>